one. He slipped his coffee and looked out the window into Fisher Street. It was quiet, Monroe's bings and other stalls began opening their doors to catch the early morning commuter traffic. The grocery, a pharmacist, a coffee shop, all trying to grab a piece of pie. There's barely a single a serving. He lifted his cup and mouthed good morning to Lisa Andrews as he crossed the road. She was a checkout girl at the grocery store and had been since leaving school. and remained there until she drunk herself to death on cheap wine. As soon as her back was turned, he added slut to his greeting. A car horn sounded twice. Lisa waved at the driver and ran her fingers through her hair. Music blared from the open window and black smoke poured from the exhaust as the car popped and fizzed out of town. A man wearing a cheap, shiny suit came out of the coffee shop. Cell phone attached to one ear, a paper cup in his hand. His mouth was moving frantically. His eyebrows were knitted together in an angry frown. A kid rode past on his bike, narrowly avoiding the man. Neither of them seemed to notice a near miss. Just another day in Shitsville. In the distance, a sound of smashing glass rang out. It was followed by a thin, piercing scream, and then more breaking glass. Nobody on the street noticed it, but he did. He smiled, bolted the door, and rolled his chair to the window. It was beginning. A couple walking hand in hand stopped outside his shop, staring up Main Street towards the high school. The girl pulled at the boy's arm, but he stayed there uh, where he was, staring with puzzled expression at his pot, his pot face, marked face. A car alarm sounded. It was made of a repetitive, high-pitched scream. A store alarm echoed. A gold, old-fashioned bell that slid in neatly beside a more modern sound of a car being trashed. The opening of the coffee shop, a small round lady named Jilly came bustling out and stood overmounted on the sidewalk. She raised her hands to her face, then shot back inside, slamming the door. He could almost hear the bolt sliding into place from across the road. A boy and girl looked directly at him. He raised his cup and smiled. Tears! He shouted. The girl looked at him as if he was an, were an alien. Then a pair of them ran down the street, away from the high street school. First to appear were a couple of boys, maybe sixteen years old. They both wore high school football jackets and they barreled down the street, locked together like lovers. One of them was holding a battery power drill, the other a kitchen knife. A boy with a drill with two bloody slash marks on the front of his jacket. A nasty looking gash ran from his jaw to his temple. Blood seeped dark and thick from the wounded. But he seemed oblivious. He was too busy trying to push the drill bit into his friend's neck as they tussled in the grocery doorway. He could see Lisa's Andrew's frightened face pushed up against the window. It looked like she was screaming. A ball dipped a bit dug into the boy's jawbone, sending a plume of pale glow spinning into the gla- onto the glass. At the same time, the boy brought the knife up under the jewel boy's chin, driving it upward until the blade disappeared. Both boys fell to the ground, unmoving. A brief silence descended. He was only a momentary respite. A second or two later, a large group tumbled down the road. Some had baseball bats, some had power tools, a couple of axes arched through the air. Someone fired a shotgun. Three girls attacked each other with shards of broken glass. Their hands were shredded to ribbons as they frayed and gored and spat insults at each other. It was quite a spectacle, and all he had to do, could do was laugh and clap as the kid tore into each other. At least half wore masks of some sort. Some were the cheap Halloween variety. Clowns, vampires, aliens and monsters. All the good stuff. But some had spent a little bit more time making truly original designs. He at them. One or two looked like they had real flesh on them. Real flesh and human hair. He clapped and shook his head. It was wonderful. 
a red-haired girl bounced off his window. Her back was turned to him, and she clutched her face at the tentacles of grey smoke. Drifted from her, from between her fingers, her scream was piercing. It actually made him wince. That was good. She turned her head, trying to see a reflection in the glass. Half her face had been burnt away. Her eyes stuck it and cheekbones were visible, as acid ate into her skin. It probably chewed all the way through to, to her brain and out the other side. He grimaced again. It must have been especially painful. Before, he could wave cheerfully to her. She's running into the crowd, failing at anyone and everyone with her fingers. Pools of blood gathered into the pothole tarmac. The kids splashed in as if it were prying, were fresh spring water. Some of them were actually laughing, smiling as they inflicted hideous, differing wounds on each other. He recognised some, but not all. A few had been in the store. Over the last few weeks, hungry and more his stock. A disembodied hand slapped against the window, fingers still cold in a fist. It left a ball-shaped smudge of clotted blood on the glass and dropped into the sidewalk. It was impossible to see who had it come from. There were so many kids fighting. How many were there? Fifty? Sixty, maybe. A few stragglers at the back were getting, going at half, hotly punching, kicking, and biting each other. One of the kids had an ear in his mouth, blood dripping from between his teeth. He spat it out and looked across the street at the store. His eyes narrowed as he was trying to solve a particularly tricky math question. He looked confused, dazed almost. It was almost it, that was until one of his pals cracked the pool cube around the back of his neck, shattering the wood and knocking the kid to the floor. He was still staring at the store with a hammer off-road motorcycle right over his friend. The rider was helmless, 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 whooping and laughing as he cut through the crowd. He was a headless a second or two later when someone flashed a chainsaw. Across his path, the bike carried on another ten feet, carrying into the ground shreve window, smashing in the process. It in the process. The kid surged inside. He finished his coffee and poured another one. Kids today got a bad deal. Everybody was always criticizing, saying they relied too much on technology for fun, but they lived vicariously through social media. I didn't know how. To entertain themselves. Worst in them all, as far as he was concerned, was they didn't read books anymore. Some of them couldn't even read. Well, that was the truth of this town. He changed things, brought literature to life for them, Ed- educated them in joys of the damn, of a damn good book. There were thousands of towns just like this over the country, towns and that needed his books. His personal collection was growing by the second. Two, and for your homework over the weekend, I want you to read chapters 11 through 20, said Dan Law, head of English. There was a collective moan. That'd be, uh, there'll be a quiz on Monday. He looked around the classroom. One hand was raised. Yes, Mr. Simmons. I was thinking, you know, with the weather being so good and game tonight, well, me and the boys were planning on driving up to late this weekend, and well, we were kind of thinking... That you wouldn't have to read the book, and you could goof off and drink a beer all weekend at Lake. Ryan Simmons grinned back. Sam Portland, the boy's best buddy, reached over, slapped him on the back. You're offering to buy us a beer, Mr. Law? Sam shouted. It, it was followed by a whoop. Dan shook his head, slowly, smiling. Tell you what, I'm reason, Ryan. You win the game tonight. I'll make it twenty-eleven 11 through 15. You lose, and it's 11. Through to 22. It was the same route week after week. He set them up, they took the bait, and they even read he, that he always attended anyway. They all knew that was happening here. It was just a Friday afternoon. Good natured cat game of cat and mouse. While his buddies put their hands together. Deal, they shouted. Hey, that was a little too easy, he said. Maybe I should have gone for class closes their books. 
Yes, sir. Barney shook his head. Too late, sir. A deal's a deal. You got me, replied. Now get out of here. He started tidying up his desk, and the students filed out. It wasn't a hurried rampage at the door. It wasn't a leverage draw either. His was the last class of the day. There were better places than to be in a classroom on a late summer afternoon. So late summer weekend. Sir, he looked up, but he knew not what. He, but he knew who it was already. Monk is a class who actually didn't have any better place to be. What can I do for you, JJ? The boy was holding a large book under his arm. What is that? Is a little low craft you got there? JJ nodded, smiling. The last student filed out, bumping him. JJ straightened his rat sack without acknowledging the impact. He used to people bumping into him. It's almost as though you didn't see him. You're right about Lovecraft, sir. He's pretty special, he said. Glad you enjoyed it. Have you reached Shadow One In's mouth yet? Not yet, JJ held up the volume. A ratty bookmark was positioned a halfway through. You're going to love that one, Dan Pitt. Packed the last of his books to his, on, into his case and closed it. He wanted to get out of there too. He's ready for the pizza, beer and crappy TV. He'd been promising himself a week. Sir, I was wondering, when are you going to start the reading room up again? The summer's nearly over. I thought, well, it might be fun to start it running again. Dan frowned. The reading room had been a club. He set up last year to try and encourage kids to read. He focused on the books. They didn't like him talking about in the classroom. Horror literature. He helped up by concentrating on the specific dream. It might make it more appealing. There's a taboo, mysterious perhaps. Besides, it, it was these books I really want to read in the first place. It hadn't been a massive success, but it gained a few hardcore followers. Kids like JJ, who read books as often as leaving the Xbox or PlayStation. On and on means, maybe. I hadn't really thought about it. I don't know. I asked Mrs. Hill at the library. She said she'll get us the room again. You already spoken to her? He said, asked laughing. Sure, JJ replied. I'm down there all the time. He held up the book again. I could speak to some of the others too. See if they want to start it up again. I'm sure they would. They would, they. Dan held his hand up. A boy was getting excited, talking quickly and moving his hands about. The library reading room stopped running at the start of the summer, but only because the library shut down for refit. He hadn't been there since it reopened a month ago. He should probably take a look. Just hold on a minute. I need to talk to Mrs. Hill. Miss Hill. I need to think this through. The school will have to okay it. He falls. I don't know if we've got, have I got the time. He did have the time. He had plenty of it, especially now. But what he didn't have was indication. He lost that around the same time Amy left. But you think about that, about it. What you'll we'll think about it, think about. He sighed and nodded. Sure, I'll think about it. No promises, though. Not now. Get out of here and enjoy the weekend. Boy ran out of the classroom. His excitement obvious. Dan stopped at the liquor store on the way home and brought Priya for the weekend. The guy at the register smiled as he took his money. Been one of those weeks, huh? Dan nodded and took his change. He was tired of the sound of his own voice. He just wanted to get home, put on some music, drink some beer, and then watch crap on TV with a family-sized pepperoni on his lap. It had been, been a time not long ago when he came in something different. Dinner out at a restaurant, maybe. Catch a movie, or go to the theatre. Maybe even watch the ball game back at school. All that was gone now. He missed it. He didn't at first. Not, but when the novelty is sitting around in shorts all weekend with the drapes drawn had been, had been new, eating pizza and drinking beer or watching horror flicks, playing rock music way too loud, been deliciously indulgent and in a shattered waste of time. He pulled into the driveway with his two-bed cookie cutter and killed the engine of his 12-year-old focus. He coughed a weak objection. Then died. He looked across the perfectly manicured lawns. His neighbour. 
neighbours, a neatly tended flower beds, a blinding white picket fences, and then glance at his own property. He could mow the lawn this weekend. He could even paint the fence and tidy the yard. How much fun would that be? Not much. Not as much as eating cold pizza and feeling the ice cold buzz of a spear slide down your throat anyway. He climbed out the car and gathered his beer. He thought the house was Amy's dream. What she what he always wanted, sure, it was no place, but it was a start, something to build on. Turned out that she wanted really wanted was to leave, to get out of their relationship as soon as they moved in. He unlocked the door and stepped inside. House wasn't dirty, but it had a single man smell to it. it had an odour that moved as soon as the bowls of burberry moved out. The bottles of beer clinked together, jerking him back to where here. And now he unloaded them all on one of the bottles in the refrigerator. Put all but one of the bottles in the refrigerator, filling two shelves completely, feeling satisfied with the appearance. He opened the other bottle and took a drink. It was warm. It was fizzy. It tasted like heaven. He emptied the bottle in three rapid elbow rises, grabbed another and collapsed on the sofa. Beer buzzed around his body like an express train. Easing his brain down through the gears, he looked at, took a long, deep breath, closed his eyes for a minute. His stomach rumbled, signalling the time to pick up the phone and order his dinner. To him, it made a cringe when the youth answering the phone recognised his voice. Family-sized pepperoni, Mr. Law. It had been more depressing that the kid knew the, what order was before he asked. For a moment, he thought about changing things up, just to make himself feel less predictable. Pepperoni was his favourite, and victory would be brief. He put down the phone and wandered to the bedroom, pausing by the spare room. It was an office, with potential to become a nursery when the time came. He had been sure it wouldn't be long, but that day had never come. The only wall space that didn't contain books or bookcases was below the window. Even then, books were stacked beneath the glass in the untidy pile. The spines reached out to him. The colours, the fronts, the words themselves all promised something different. Amy wasn't, hadn't liked the way the books were stacked. They were alphabetized. They weren't in some neatly categorised order. It was easy to understand. They were just placed on shelves. King, next to Poe, Stalkers, next to Macam, wherever they fell. He tried to organise them once, drew it out of sense of guilt manufactured by Amy. He couldn't get, he didn't get very far before. Before VC, Andrews and cover of Flowers in the Attic would transfect him. He rose from the book several hours later, having reread it. There were several more aborted efforts, but each time a different book grabbed him and hauled him back inside. His wonderful doggy pages. Never had been to close to 500 paper books, paperback books in the room. Each read at least once. They hadn't to say they were all classics, far from it. Some were a little better than the beer mats, masquerading as books. But when he bought one, whether from a store, online, or a yard sale, so he felt he owed it to the writer to read the words, even if some of them did make him cringe. Dan walked to the pile below the window and squatted down. He read the spines, recalling when and where he read each book. It had not been many times in his life without at least two titles on the, on the go. One of those was now. Of Mice and Men didn't count, not that he was going through the text, with Simmons, Portland and the rest of his 18th, 11th grade literature class. He picked up The Exorcist. He read it when he was a freshman year at the high school. It's the same year he'd broken his arm, falling off his bike. Coming home from the bookstore, he'd been trying to read it while manoeuvring the bike for the afternoon traffic. He'd been straight in the tree, busted his arm, got a concussion in the process. The back cover of the book was scratched, the white paper showing through beneath the writ. Reminder how he don't get through, that the book was intertwined. He replaced it in the stack, tracing his fingers down the garnished strikes. In the reading room, they had concentrated in classics. Poe, Stalker, a little Lovecraft. There's not so much more to offer, so much the kids might miss if they hadn't shown where to look. At least half of these books were now out of print now, relics of the golden period, 
of horror fiction in the 80s. Books like this would never see the light of day again. Writers pushed back the coffins to sleep for another hundred years. It was a shame, a damn shame. Pulled other books out and read a couple of pages from each, smiling at the fleeting images. He passed mingled with horrors on the pages. He was transported through his adolescence, through his teens, his college years, sprued out reality of the, of the present. Had any of the kids ever heard of Michael McDowell or Shirley Jackson? Did they even know what were they missing? Of course not. Not unless they thought them themselves out at these things out for themselves. How many would do that? Only a handful in the entire school. Are you the same ones who came to the reading room? The thought irritated him. Half the school would went be down the football field, drinking beer, making out and trying to look like they didn't give a shit about anything. Diana stood up and walked to the kitchen, drank another beer. It was responsible to make to make his responsibility to make them understand to make them see what he saw in those books. The reading room would be back. He was going to make sure of that. The doorbell rang and the t- tune rapping, warping as the door battery died. He grabbed a couple of bottles of more bottles of refrigerator and walked to the door. First things first though, there were more beers to drink and a pepperoni pizza to eat. Three, at a little after nine, the following morning, Dan walked along Main Street, head pounding, mouth dry and sour tasting. The stores were already open, but the street was quiet. That was good. Hustle on that Saturday morning hadn't begun, yet he'd beaten it. He ducked into the deli, brought a coffee and a pasty. The sweet sugar rust of the greenish hit him, nearly blinding him for a moment. It had been a while since he'd eaten anything. and gone cut not come straight from a box or a can. Morning, Mr. Law, he squeezed his eyes shut and opened as wide as his facial vessels were now. Three girls smiled at him as they walked past. Two students, their names gone from his mind. They giggled as they crossed over the road, heading towards the fence cinema. A thin sheet of sweat could into forearm. Head. It was a warm day. He got a sweat top on without a coat. But a bee was working his way out of his body, the pores of his skin. Pretty soon he smelled like a brewery. He paused at a junction at Eagle and Main. The town used to have three drugstores. Quite why, nobody knew. Even if a town twice the size of Silver Lake, three was too many. One of the stores has finally gone to the wall last year. The building has remained empty ever since. The windows were fogged over. The sunage eventually collapsed over the sidewalk. Present forgotten all by all. But it's most loyal customers. But it's most loyal customers. Till now, ladders are set up against the front. The store man, don't recognise him as Chris Newson, was on the top rung, painting a sign above the fog door. He's whistling the tune unrecognisable. Newson had done some work at school a couple of years ago, mostly odd jobs, clearing out the drains, painting and peeling the boat work. Kids didn't like him. He was weird and looked at them strangely. He wasn't half back when he finished, down across the street, walking around the ladders, not under them. A blank right triangle where the sign up for those to drugstore had hung for more than fifty years. But now painted a huge gloss black. Newsome had far so far written the letter C in the fancy gold script. He was getting the new we're getting a new store, Chris. I guess he replied without turning. What is it? Newsome shrugged. Don't I know? He said he tenth. He must be the twenty first and ask me. This morning. I'm just painting the sign. Dan nodded. What about what comes after the sir? Use some sigh was audible. What the me to spell it out? He asked. There's more than a trace of sarcasm in his tone. Carcevets. That's all I painters right. Just carcevets. No trade, no hints, no nothing. Just carcevets. He turned around the ladder now. That okay for for you? Newsom looked ready to burst, so Dan nodded and walked on. 
When he'd gone for a few, few more steps, he heard some yelling at someone. He actually started coming down the ladder. The object of his earth, a middle-aged lady, walking a dog, had hurried on by. The guy needed to chill out. The government library refit has finished. What exactly being refitted wasn't immediately clear. It looked the same as it always done. It's, it had since it had been a kid coming down looking for the latest Stephen King horror section had been small then. It still was. Daniel Law, long time no see. Turned around smiling and recognised the voice. Hi, Norrie. Norrie Hill has been a librarian here for the last two years. Nobody knew exactly why she came back to town after ten years living in New York. There were plenty of rumours. Daniel heard them all. He knew her since high school, and the speculation didn't fit with how he remembered her. What brings you down here? She yelled. I came to take a look at the reflex fit, he frowned. Can't say I'm impressed. Hey, she replied. We're all 20th century. First century in here, you know. You're going computerized. Check it out. He nodded towards Mrs. Phelps. Never librarian. Linda Phelps was an old as the building itself, she muttering as she hammered away as a keyboard. Laurie lowered her head towards him. Some of us are trying to get, trying to be better, be, to be, do it better than others. Linda Phelps looked at up at him. He laughed. She gave him a hard stare before returning to the computer. Her face was bright red. You mu- must want to stay out of, you might want to stay out of her way for a while. Dan whispers. She looks frustrated. In lots of ways, I imagine. Dan bit his lip to stop himself laughing. So why are you here? We haven't got any books for you, new books for you. You read everything in the horror section at least once. You've probably got your own copies anyway. How about branching out? She nodded towards the period romances. You look like a sh- you look like a shirt open to your navel bodice, ripping kind of guy. You raised his eyebrows. Maybe ten years ago. Paddy's belly. He hadn't. He wasn't fat, but the recent diet was taking its toll. I don't have the body for any anymore. No, I'm here to ask a favour. Shoot, you speak. You speak to a kid called Joseph this week. Joseph Jones. J J. Sure, he came by on on came by on Tuesday. Tell me he wanted to get the reading room done together. Tell me you were starting over. He did, did he? He shook his head. Looks like what that means to you. Kinda, he replied. He was pretty exclaimed about excited about it. Should have seen his face when I said that it was okay. I can imagine. He's a good kid. He was in here all the time. Kinda like like I was, you mean. Laurie smiled, shrugged. I guess she paused. What do you want it what do you want it then? When do you want it then? Hmm, huh. Room. When do you want to start? He exulted loudly. I'd like to speak to the principal about Thursday at 11 to 8.30. Something like that. That's fine, I'll put you in. Why do I feel being railroaded in this? She laughed. You want you want this as much as I do, do, do as DJ does. Maybe, she replied. Laurie was quiet for a few seconds. They both were. were well, I'm better. I heard about Amy Laurie interrupted. I'm oh, sorry, she spluttered. I'm not, I'm, it's none of my business. It's okay, he shrugged it. I looked around. Guess it wasn't meant to be. With a string of bruises around Laurie's wrist, she pushed her hand into her pocket. How's Paul? Haven't seen him much lately, he asked, looking up at her. Oh, he's busy with work. You got a busy big contract a couple you got they got a big contract a couple of months ago. Pretty sighted man. He nodded. Her whole heart weaver. Been a young younger than him at school. He'd been something a hero on a track team and a football and swim teams. These days he ran his own construction company, which though not particularly well, by all counts. And now we just dated Laurie Hill. The guy had it all. Very high for me. He turned to leave. See you later, Laurie. What book are you going to read with, with them? He stopped. Not sure yet. Haven't decided. Maybe some Richard Layman to start them off. She beamed the troubling vampire show. 
You should read that. They'd love it. He nodded and walked out of the library. Since they had Laurie Hill. Since when did Laurie Hill know anything about Richard Layman? Four. Volume Simmons took a pull on a cold buckwizer. He put the bottle down and traced his finger over the man's flat stomach. He flinched at his cold touch. Come on, it's the weekend. We're in the lake, the sun's shining, and all's good. In with the world, we should enjoy it while we can. Sam Portland and the rest of the boys were in the lake, showing off to the girls on the shore, whooping and hollering, the voices echoing along the valley. He should probably be in there with them. He wanted to see how far he could push it with Megan. I'm not ready, Lion, she replied, dressing up a bikini top. They've almost done it twice already. Once at Sam's house and once down here last summer. She looked good all the time, but she couldn't. But when she put on that little red bikini, brain felt like it was frying. He could barely keep his hands off her. Maybe I'll get you, get you, get you ready. He kissed her neck, and tasted sunblock sweet on his tongue. She sighed and shifted to position, allowing him to use his tongue to trace his line. A line towards a collarbone. Hey, Ryan, Sam shouted. Boys are laughing. We ignored him. He had better things in his mind. He rested his hand on Megan's stomach, feeling material and rather bikini dots on his fingertips. He felt his cock stiffen beneath his shorts. You want to, he started. A football landed next to his head, bounced, and then hit him in the ear. A huge cheer went up from the lake. Boys giving high fives to each other. Ryan was about to jump. Up, but stopped himself. His shorts revealed was a little too much. But how he's feeling right now? Fuck you, he shouted, sitting up instead. He did his best to throw the ball to trees, but it fell short. Dicks, he hissed and lay down, lay back down. Megan turned her head to Molly. Maybe we should find somewhere a little more private. He nodded, sure. He tried his best to look nonchalant. As soon as he stood up, his shorts gave him away. Just going for a walk, he said, in trouble They put their heads together and giggled. He took her hand and led her away from the shore. The sun filtered through the trees, dappling everywhere in the warm glow, the pine, the scent of sunblock, his own sweat, all of it heavily arousing. Emily said her and Sam were over. Does Sam know? Megan took, shook her head. No, not to say anything. She's telling him later today. Shit. He'll be pissed, he stopped. I'll, look, I'll go back to tell him, make. He pulled him over to a tree, leaned against it. It'd be too busy for me to worry about him. She kissed him, opening her mouth, rolling her tongue over his lips. He pulled away. I shouldn't really. She ran her hand over the front of his shorts. Are you sure about that? She said, grinning. He about to explode there and then. Fuck Sam. He'd have to look after himself. He called Megan Clark closer, wrapping his hand around her, pulling her to into him. She jerked back. Not here, she whispered. Let's find somewhere quiet. This is quiet. There's nobody more here except you and me. I don't want anyone disturbing us. I know somewhere. She grabbed his hand and pulled it down. Away from the tree. He didn't know where they were going. But he didn't care. He could didn't think about anything except what was beneath Megan's red bikini. There she pointed through the trees. It's a shack, he replied. Really? You want to fall around in there? She raised her eyebrows. Sure. Why not? It looks very kind of romantic. He shrugged. He just looked like an old shack to him. Looks to me. Megan ran forward towards it. Laughing, she reached behind her back and pulled the bikini call. The top fell to the ground and she laughed even harder. Jesus, he is. There's a key under there. She nodded towards the rock by the door. However, her hands were crisscrossed like rope wraps, squeezing them together like a wonder bra. He grabbed the rope, crossing it over, with a small silver key beneath it. He didn't know where the cabin belonged. Didn't care. Right now, he could, could have busted the White House if it meant he'd get inside, lay down with Megan. Turn the key with trembling fingers, working the wrong way, cursing. For turning back and feeling the click. He pushed the door inward. Inside, not what he expected. It's obviously someone's retreat. A traction of fishing rods stood in one corner. 
by the shelves of tackle and bait boxes, with a small stove in the other corner. A clock along one of the walls. It smelled fussy, a little damp, but it looked clean. Do you, how did you know about this place? he asked. Those of my uncle. He grabbed her. Should we be in here? I mean, she squeezed his book, grabbed his balls, gave him a gentle squeeze. Why don't we lie down? Her breasts were fully exposed. He'd seen them before, but mostly in the dark, at some party when they were both drunk. See him in daylight made his heart want to smash it way out of his chest. She pulled him over to the cot and lay on her side. Take your short off, Ryan, she said. I want to see you now. He wrapped a finger around the pull string of the side of his bikini bottoms. She gave it a little tug. Now, she whispered. He dropped his shorts, suddenly self-conscious. Began held his cock before. He even played with it, but she never got close enough to look at it. He sat there in front of her, totally naked. She smiled and patted the bed. That's better, she said. A gloomy light flitter, filtered through the window above the bed. But it's more than enough to see for him to see Megan. All of her. She's beautiful too, beautiful for him. And he knew that what it what that if he wasn't stowing combat, he wouldn't have stood a chance of her. But he was, and so here he was. The kiss passionately, so he couldn't think about take it any more. They touched and explored each other, as he'd never done in those drunken body goblins. He rolled on top of her, feeling her wiggle into a better position. He lifted her head and kissed him again, put about a voice in his ear. I want you, she said. Then it was over. His body spasmed, but he could do anything more. With no pleasure, just a horrifying knowledge that all that after all this he'd failed, been not been able to do what she wanted. What they both wanted. He squeezed his eyes shut and bit down his lip till the spasms ceased. Oh God! He hissed. Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit! He opened his eyes and looked down at her. She looked confused. Looked at her, shook her head and opened her mouth to say something. Funny dropped the realization in her. She swallowed hard. It's okay, she whispered. But it wasn't okay. Not by long shot. I don't. I know. I don't know. He didn't. Didn't. Couldn't finish his sentence. He had no idea what to say. He couldn't move either. He wished he was anywhere, but right, but here, right now, down at the lake in town, at the coffee shop, even one of Mr. Law's English lessons would have been preferable to being here, being glued together like this. It's okay, she whispered again. What, what, was that a trace of green in the corners of her mouth? You better get off me. We can't stay like this forever. We're trying to make light of the situation, pretend it didn't matter. They did. He slid off her, sliding outside the bed and hooking his toes around his discarded shorts. No way did he want her seeing him now. No way he pulled him up as far as he could while standing. Would you like my, my fetching my top? Megan asked. He could see her. He could see her fumbling from her beginning, trying to uh, tie the bottom up with him. Sure, he replied, walking quickly to the door. He glad to be out there, be away from her for a few seconds at the beginning. Top was bright against the brown carpet on top brown needles. He picked out the faint wrath of sun cream pricking his nostrils. What a cool trick this was, making him wait for slumbering. And this, this object failure. Anger was coming forward now. Anger with himself, with his body. Letting him down. Anger with Megan for teasing him so long. Anger the world, with anyone and everything. Tapped his jaws together to a knot of cramp. Bowls in his throat. He worked it loose with his fingers and went back inside. Megan had her hands crossed over her breast again. You know, he just explored every inch of her. She was shy about her body, as if she had she always been. Put you up and left me there here, he said. He watched her put the top back on. But he said nothing. He didn't open his mouth yet. You are still angry. I don't, didn't tell you anyone, Ryan. I won't say what happened. He slid, felt his eyes widen. He had he hadn't even thought about that. Hadn't even considered it. What? I won't tell anyone. Not even Emily, I swear. I was good at saying she would tell Emily. And Emily would just tell would just about tell everyone. He wanted to listen to her. Jesus, Megan, what? You tell everyone about this, I'll be finished. Can you imagine what the guys would say? You don't know, Megan stood up. 
We should go. He grabbed her arm before she could take a step. You better not, he said. She looked at him. You're hurting me. Let's go. Let's go. She was calm. I swear, Megan, you mention this to anyone, and I'll, I'll. And you'll what? You'll let me. The fuck go, and we can pretend this didn't happen, okay? But it did happen, and even if he didn't tell anyone, he still would know. She would still know, too, and she could tell anyone any time she wanted. He didn't release her, kept his grip nice and firm. It's only because you teased me so much. You hadn't had wanted me. Maybe we wait so fucking long. This wouldn't have... You can't blame me, she said it. I didn't have... Make you squirt like... Quick as a flash, he slapped her. He didn't have been thinking about it. just happened. The bow snapped her head around. I tell you, everyone's a slut, he said. And that's you and me. me. I haven't been doing it for years. That He slapped him back. It shocked. The sting shocked him. He'd been hit by linebackers plenty of times. Even knocked out one of the guys. But the shock of the slap was electrifying. He threw her into the bed. You bitch, he shouted. He touched his fa- her face. Before she hit him, the skin felt hot under his fingers. She looked at him. He looked scared, lying there with a little red bikini. You shouldn't have done that, he shouted before, enjoying her sudden flitch at the volume of his voice. Ryan, what are you doing? She's beneath him now. When he climbed on top of her, he didn't recall about it, about doing that. Pressed down on her, he was aroused again, not by the fall of her body, or taking a bikini off the bikini. No, he felt a thrilling, trembling thrill in his groin from the fear of, on her face. She was scared of him. Why? He only hit her once. It wasn't as if he'd beaten the shit out of her. Not like his dad had done to his mum, anyway. The guy really wanted to, went to town to her, beat her black. Why, she screamed, you're really, you really hurting me. He had a wrist pinning them to the bed, holding her down. He was close again, close to exploding. Tears sprung in the corner of her eyes, spreading over her cheeks and rolling into the blanket. Oh, he wanted to hit her again. He wanted to do things too. He didn't know what where he were or where they came from, but he had an idea. He would. A horrible stomach-churning pain rose up from the crotch. He squeezed his eyes shut, uh, but the tears welled up. And spit, spit, spilled out just as Megan, like Megan's. Get me off! Get off of me, you bastard! Put her knee up again, but he was already falling to the side. He landed on the wooden floor, so fat and cold in the beetle position. He felt her kick in the back, but it was weak and didn't hurt. She was sobbing. I'll never want to see you again, she screeched. Don't you ever come near me ever again? She rolled into the back and looked up at her. Megan, I'm sorry, I don't know. She kicked out him out at him, then rolled away. Please, he said. Megan, I'm sorry. She ran out of the cabin before about another word. But he could hear her a long time after he left. He could hear her sobbing breaths as they echoed throughout the woods. How long how could a day go so wrong in only a few seconds? Five. Come on, man. You said you go, you committed. I said maybe, maybe I'll go. You make it sound like a wedding. I'm busy, anyhow. JJ sighed. What with? Hanging out with your imaginary ex-boy's friends? Come on, Alex, he pulls. You're reading lay- layman. You know how pervy he can be. They were, they were in Alex's bedroom, his cave, his sanctuary. If he went to his school, this is where he was. They've been friends since the first day of high school. Alex Potts had been new then, just moved into town, didn't know anyone. JJ lived there forever, and didn't know anyone either. He didn't share what much, but he did have in common, tied them together, pitted them against the rest of the world. Alex worked his fingers over the games controller, hammering the buttons rapidly at but with purpose. It's gonna, uh, gonna suck last year, JJ. I mean, all that Poe, it was like an episode of the following. I kept waiting for Law to break into an ancient English, into an English accent, and start telling us to cut people up. He was trying too hard to keep it educational, to keep the school happy. Alex put the controller down and ejected the disc. 
Who's to say you wouldn't be the same this time around? We're Richard Lehman? Are you kidding? Alex shoved. Never win yet. Never win. JJ dropped his rap set, ran his inside and put out his back of the paperback. Look at this, he said, pointing at the cover. The travelling vampire show doesn't show doesn't sound much like Poe. No cough to me. I read the reviews and it's bloody good with. Don't knock HP's man. Give me give me that. He took the book, took, turned it over, and read the first couple of paragraphs. Okay, he said. I'll come with come just so you don't get lonely about me though. They left Alex's house and walked towards the town, crisscrossing the streets through the park. The suburbs are quiet at this time of evening. Everyone was a bit home from work or school, quickly going about their business. Inside the new builds, you wouldn't even never you ever wonder what's going on inside all these houses. JJ asked. Well, why the hell would I do that? Alex Slate replied. JJ shrugged. I do. See the house he pointed. That's how many cars house. A dad snorts coke, coke and a mum drinks vodka straight from Robert Bertel. When they both nice and high, they go into the neighbour's house and throw their keys, a big bowl in the middle of the room, and they get naked and, man, you're there, you're weird. What the hell are you talking about? JJ laughed. I'm going to write books one day, books, movies, plays. Whatever. I'm just going to write my ass off all day and all night make ten million bucks in the time I'm fur by the time I'm thirty. Alex laughed, and I'll be present. He walked silently for a few a while while Alex spoke again. Look, he said, nodding to walk across the street. It's Ryan the Simmons, Ryan and walking straight towards them, his head down. You heard what they were saying about him at school. Jay asked, Alex nodded. It's all bullshit, you think? Are you of course you right the guy so that's a pretty ejaculation. He's practically a god. Plenty of people do believe it, though. I'm not... Many people do believe it, though. And it's not dating Megan Primer anymore. They broke up, apparently he hit her. And it's tough. You're just too gullible. You'd be anything here. I don't. Anyhow, wait, shut up, he whispered. Oh, I hear you. Ryan moved closer, his head still down. He walked quickly, without purpose. purpose. Either that or he was pissed. He barged past him, jumped bumping into JJ, almost spinning him, bowling. Jesus, JJ shouted. Ryan stopped. He looked surprised. Almost shocked to see them standing there. He st- stared at them both for a second, looking them up with his lips curled in his little corners. Hey, Ryan, said Alex. Fuck off, fag, he turned. Carried on walking away from him with them with the same purpose. JJ knew the comment would hurt Alex. All the football team called him for words, names. Fag, and was somehow one drew a huge penis in his locker and wrote the word cocksucker underneath. Alex might be gay, he might not be. JJ never mentioned it because he didn't care either. Didn't care one way or another. He didn't care about his friend's feelings, though. He did care about his friend's feelings, though. He would, he would see how much it, it hurt him. Dick, JJ whispered, he turned to his friend after a couple, after a few minutes, seconds. Next time I beat the shit out of him, he raised his fist like a cartoon character and shook it right into the pot in shape. Come back here, I'll rip the, rip the suitcase, rip your stupid drop head off. He said quietly, there was no way he wanted Ryan to play with him. Alex smiled. You, you weren't, you were, you weren't last two seconds. He said, turn away, come on. Hey, I know martial arts. Watching Master Ken on YouTube doesn't count, JJ. The moment had gone, at least JJ, for JJ. The counter of Ryan had been McGregor's beef that he knew probably never, never remember. Alex would know he knew that. He was stewing it quietly. Maybe he missed a couple of days at school. But to, pe- but to people like Ryan Simmons, Alex meant nothing. They reached Main Street for a few minutes. The last of the summer sun dipped from the three-story buildings, lined the streets, dropping the temperature by a few degrees. 
There were a few stragglers running about, but most of the store was closed now. It was dead time. Some poor Stanley opened the dining diner, pied up its genuine wood plate fried barbecue. They paused at the junctions, not because they were any traffic, because of the new, of the new store. The windows were still bogged out, but dim light filtered through one into the streets. I wonder what it would be, said J.J. said at McDonald's. What with the name Caravettes? Alex shrugged. Don't, don't you know? Don't know, don't care. You know who Caravette is though, right? Moseswell, Rosemary's baby, sure. Maybe the devil is right inside. Maybe he'll come to take over the town and tell us. Soldiers and some dark army. Very funny. They crossed over, walking in front of the new store. The doors were open. Good evening, gentlemen. A voice called from the inside. They looked. They both paused, looking each other a pleasant evening for a stroll they couldn't see who the voice belonged to my first customers get free merchandise a man appeared in the doorway he looked in the late sixties maybe even older his hair was the whitest shade of white imaginable come on don't be shy if freebies he beckoned them his huge smile and stepped towards the way of the door what freebies Alex asked why, books, of course. J.J. looked at his friend. Want to take a look? Alex shrugged. Maybe late for layman. J.J. checked his watch. He still had ten minutes before we got started. Take a quick look, he said. I promise, five minutes tops. Inside the office door was dark. The folded windows had almost none of the natural light still left of the day. Passed through a collection of old lamps, burned various shelves. Apologies for the somewhat of it doing atmosphere. Electrics have gone well proven temperamental. J.D. looked down in the darkness of the rear of the store. It looked like there were several rows of shelves stretching deep into the shadows. Wow, he whispered. Alex leaned in close. This place is creepy. I do hope so, the man said. It's supposed to be. Do you want people to come inside a creepy shop? Alex asked. It's not Halloween yet. Of course, how else am I going to sell these books? All these wonderful horror books, he gestured in the shadows. Horror? J.J. asked. Exclusively, the man replied. Gothic, weird, quiet, gnaw, splatterpunk, grindhouse, psychological, erotic, and my own personal taste, favourite, visceral. It's all there, gentlemen. I have it all, as well as some categories you might not be familiar with. Wow, is it all? It was all J.J. could think to say. Never seen such a collection before. You wouldn't find any ebooks on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. You would find them anywhere, but right, right here. Right here at Cassavetes. Are you, are you related, Mr. Cassavetes? Alex asked. He knows J.J. in his side. He was a, he's a temper humour. I mean, not going to spoon devil babies over town, are you? There's enough around here. But any more sprouting up? The man laughed. I'm glad the name means something to you. Already I can discern two well-read young men. Perhaps it's my real name, and perhaps not. He raised his eyebrows and walked around behind the counter. Now I promise you something for nothing. Let me see, he bent down behind the counter. And it's noticed him in the ribs and made of circles in his forefinger to his temple. He mailed the word crazy. A second later, Caveat straightened. It took only a painful maneuver for him. The creak was almost edible, audible. Here we go, he said, sliding two books to the poly- onto the polished wooden counter. This one for you, which one to all JJ. This one's for you. I know you love, love, love them. JJ took the book, it's slightly smaller than the norm, burying it enough for him to notice. A cover of the soft leather, cracked and looking. It's also blank, probably, probably just a diary. Thank you, he said. How much? No charge, Cabaret. But you must come back and tell me how much you like the book, love the books. I demand it. J.D. slid the, the book into his right sack. Alex did the same. Now, be on your way, gentlemen. I must cho- close the shop now. Good evening. J.J. followed Alex out the store. And for the time had turned around, Cassavet had closed and bolted the door. Why do you f- feel like you've been in a drab dream? Alex asked, I keep expecting Vincent Price or Dreadfully come out from behind one of those shells. Creepy man, really creepy.
Do you see how many books he had? Got more than the goddamn library. Well, I saw all those shelves. It was too damn dark to see anything else. I'll tell you something about the book he gave you. It almost burnt. Are you going to burn it? Man, I'm going to burn the shit out of it. What? What for? He walked along the sidewalk towards the library. It's probably some religious crap, some sort of paraphemilia. He's a running a cult. That's why it's all about a cult. Jesus, Alex, you say I've got a weird imagination. It's just a diary. You just keep trying to drum up trade, maybe a bit. He's a bit bizarre, odd, weird, fucked up. I was going to say eccentric. It's all show, obviously. Will he be gone by Christmas, that's for sure. Nobody would set foot in this place. Don't let him buy anything from him. He reached the library and climbed the steps of the front door. The lights were in, on inside. I reckon Law's going to love it here, there. JJ said, opening the door. You mean love, love, love it? Alex's expression. Or covered it. Was creepier than the original. Kids has shown up for the reading room. It was better than last year. By one JGG, been excited as soon as he walked into the door. Dan took it as a compliment. Validation of his chosen book, at least initially. It wasn't until after they finished that the real reason for JJ's assignment we made clear it wasn't a book. It's a bookstore, he said. Better. Was well, better than just a regular bookstore. A store dedicated study to horror. Can you believe it? Right here is Silver Lake. J-J- Jesus, JJ, it's just a bookstore, Sir Alex. JJ's best friend. He's clearly less enthusiastic than JJ. He's always been a quiet kid, difficult to engage with. He missed a lot of school, too, mostly due to the bullying he suffered. Nevertheless, Dan found the news pretty exciting himself. Really? That explains the cover up sign. I guess maybe it's a pseudonym. It's his real name. Alex said, apparently. I have to check it out. He pushed his copy of the Travelling Vampire Show across the table to Alex. Have you? Can you borrow this? Oh, now you guys better go home. He checked his watch. He already 20 minutes over. I don't want you to get in trouble anymore. Alex shrugged. Like that would happen. Dan was about to ask what what that meant. The two boys turned and disappeared out of the door. The figures were briefly illuminated in orange glow with the streetlights. Are you all done? He turned around. Laurie was sitting at the desk, tapping away on the computer with keyboard. Sorry, it went a bit longer than I wanted. Give me two minutes. I'll be out of the way and you can lock up. You don't have to apologise. Good to see the kids are engaging. All four of them, Alex. Jesus closed down the computer and stood up. You look like you were enjoying yourself too. You laughed, I guess so. I haven't read, any, read the book for ten years. It's like meeting up with an old friend. I can remember what I was doing when I... He stopped. Sorry, of waffling on again. Go on now. Thanks, Laurie. See you. Want to get a coffee? Cup of coffee, she asked. Swinging a bag over her shoulder. Uh, sure, why not? He paused. Why wouldn't Paul be expecting you for dinner? Laurie walked past him into the door and switched off life. Oh, it'd be at work for another couple of hours yet. She opened the door, holding it open. I'm going home. Drink a little bit, drink a bottle of red, and fall asleep anyway. You'll be doing me a favour. You only do the door. You're coming, I'll stop you here for the night. He went, if he went home now, he might be tempted to stop at the liquor store, do something similar to Laurie. She'll be doing him a favour too. During the week, Silver Lake was a quiet town. There wasn't much to get excited about. It was just like any other town its size. Weekend, it simmered brightly, no, but that never reached the boiling point. There was one bar, the last election, before the entire town voted Republican. High school voted at 14, was moderately successful. On Friday night, the town got behind him, marching the football field like a platoon of well-drilled soldiers. They celebrated the wins, commiserated the losses. But neither way, but either way, people were happy to be there by talking to the neighbours and sharing a beer. It's a regular town with regular people doing regular things. As then walked side by side with Laurie along the side, May Street towards the diner, it struck him how long it had been since he walked anywhere with company. 
company that wasn't a student trying to get him to change the grade anyway. You might, you ever think about leaving, Aunt Louis asked. 